Numbers chapter 17, verse 1 through 10. Numbers chapter 17, verse 1 through 10. Feel free to take note, give an ear. And uh, if you missed any of these previous messages, the great thing about our church is that we have an app, we have a website, we have a YouTube channel. You can go on there, listen back to it. But even if this is your very first time hearing this, when it comes to this semester, you're still going to be able to grab a hold of something today. Now, before we read this, I want to give you just a, a quick context of what's taking place. Um, at this point, Moses and Aaron have a number of people that are rebelling and coming against them. Because Moses, alongside with Aaron, they were leading the people and the children of Israel. God was using them in amazing ways as vessels. But there were people that came and challenged them. But that's when God gave instruction to Moses to get a number of staffs, 12 staffs to be exact, one representing each of the tribes of Israel. And Aaron, who was part of the tribe of Levi, was one of the, had one of the rods as well. And God gave instruction and it was Aaron's rod that budded up and blossomed overnight that gave proof and evidence to the fact that God had chosen them and he was correcting and directing his people. That makes sense to y'all? So we'll be reading this in Numbers chapter 17, verse 1 through 10. I'm reading now the New King James, and it says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get them a rod, somebody say rod, from each father's house. All their leaders, according to their father's houses, 12 rods, write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name, which for those that don't know, Aaron was actually Moses' brother, on the rod of Levi. For there will be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony, where I will meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus, I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses, 12 rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods, and Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. I think that's how you say it, right? I said almonds, I think previous service. I don't know. I always get confused, right? It's like caramel, caramel, you know? But then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die. What we're going to be talking about this morning is this. If you want to have a, a topic, a subtitle, whatever, is this. The rod of God. The rod of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for just waking us up today. We thank you, Lord, just... Uh, this is the day, Lord, that you have made, Lord. We're going to rejoice and receive your word, Lord, your bread today, and we would be nourished and edified and built up, Lord. Speak to your people. Do what I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint these words. We love you so much. And the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of reading of God's word. Now the rod or, or, or the staff, 
played a major role in delivering God's people from Egyptian captivity and leading them into the promised land. And I got one right here with me this morning. But the rod was simply a tool that shepherds would use to do three things. To correct, protect, and direct their sheep. And what's interesting is one side of this rod would be used, the hook, right, to, to draw and bring and pull the sheep in, right? But then there was this other side right here, the staff, that would be used to, to ward off and, and, and to intimidate and push away and, and keep away predators. And to the Hebrews, this staff, y'all, to Israel, this staff was a symbol of authority. And ironically enough, Moses was actually a shepherd tending to a flock when he met God at the burning bush and God called him to deliver the nation of Israel from slavery. And when Moses asked God a question, he said, God, what do I do like if they don't believe me? What, if they, what do I do if, if they don't think that, that you called me to come and tell Pharaoh to, to let my people go? And God, the voice of God came out of the burning bush and he asked him a question. He said, well, Moses, what's in your hand? And obviously we know it was a staff and it was a rod that, that was in Moses' hand, Moses' staff. And to those in here that think it may be crazy, the voice of God would speak through a... Come on, somebody. Some of you got it. Some of you didn't. It's all good. It's a good dad joke, y'all. But what God told Moses was, he said, what's in your hand? And he said, a rod or a staff. But, but God told Moses that he would use that same rod to do miraculous signs and wonders. And it would be Moses' and Aaron's staff that God would use in a mighty way to display his power and glory. Because Pharaoh wasn't going to let God's people go without a fight. And it was the rod that God used to perform miracles, miracles in front of Pharaoh. It was a rod that God used to turn the rivers and canals and, and ponds that the Egyptians used into blood. It was a rod that God used to bring forth frogs and gnats that disrupted the Egyptians. It was a rod that God used to split the Red Sea and, and drown and, and wash away the Egyptian chariots. It was a rod that God used to bring water out of a rock when his people were thirsty. And there wasn't anything special about the rod by and within itself. Even Moses responded to God when God asked him, what's in your hand with like a simple and nonchalant, just, just a staff. It, it was a, a simple tool. And it wasn't anything powerful within itself, but who knows that when God gets his hand on something, that which was once impossible becomes possible. That when God gets his hands on something, that which was once dead can come to life. And get this, from that moment when Moses released the staff and his rod to God, no longer after that was it called Moses' staff, but the Bible from then on calls it the rod of God. Somebody say the rod of God. So get this, when it was in Moses' hands, it was a simple stick. But when he surrendered it to God, it became the rod of God. And I want to insert this quick, uh, real quick, and I have a quick question. Just like God asked Moses, I have a question for you today. What's in your hands? 
What is your role? What are your responsibilities? What is your influence? Like, I, I don't know what may be your, in your hands today, but I came to tell you that if you take whatever is in your hands and give it to Jesus, he will make it come alive and do things in your life that you couldn't even imagine. See, we need to understand that to Moses, his whole identity was wrapped up around that rod. And now, rather than him leading a flock, God was calling Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery as a shepherd. But we need to realize this. We cannot be mistaken. Moses really wasn't the shepherd. The true shepherd was the one. It was the rod of God that led the nation of Israel out of slavery through the wilderness into the promised land his people. I love what Psalm chapter 78 says. It says this in Psalm chapter 78, verse 52 through 55. It says, then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them into safety so they were not afraid. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies and he brought them to his holy land. To the mountain which his right hand had won, he drove out nations before them. And he apportioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Somebody shout with me, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, come on, say it like you believe it. Say, the Lord is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. Just like he was a shepherd watching over the nation of Israel, God wants to be the shepherd over you today. But at the same time, I felt like God wanted me to tell someone and remind someone that, yes, you are, you know, God wants to be your shepherd and the shepherd of your life, but also that if you are a parent or in a position of leadership and authority, that yes, God may be your shepherd, but guess what? I you have a responsibility as the under-shepherd of your home to lead your family. That yes, he is our shepherd, but we are also under-shepherds in whatever role or responsibility or capacity that we may be in. And let me speak to some moms and dads and some parents, and let me give some encouragement to somebody today, an under-shepherd in your home, that the best thing that you can do is keep leading and pointing your children to Jesus. The best thing that you can do is keep praying over and loving those children. The best thing you can do is to be the example that God has called you to be. Keep bringing them to God's house. Come on, and it's going to get tough at times. It's going to get hard at times. The sheep may be stubborn at times, but we need to do Lord. He is my shepherd. He is my God. He is my Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. You know, growing up, I like to say it like this, that, that I, I had a drug problem, y'all, when I, when I, whenever I was younger. My parents drugged me to church every Sunday, y'all. But I'm thankful for that, y'all, because as they were doing that, God was working on my heart. And as I saw the fruit of their lives, I followed them as I followed Christ as they followed Christ, right? That's what the apostle Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was an apostle. He was a shepherd, but he was also underneath the watch of the shepherd that was God, right? And he followed, you see, and now today, me in Brooklyn, as we establish a home and a legacy of our own, we have decided that Jesus, the good shepherd, we're going to follow him every single day. I came to tell somebody today, the Bible says that Jesus, he is the 
the good shepherd. Can somebody say good shepherd? He isn't just a shepherd. He isn't just a regular. No, he is a good shepherd. He is the one that leaves the 99 for the one. He is the one that lays down his life for his sheep. Come on, has anybody ever been far from God before? Maybe you were the stray away. You were the runaway. But thank God, see, we say many times, I found God. I found God. But I've learned that it was really God that found us and picked us up out of that pit, out of that lifestyle, out of that addiction, out of that situation. And he came and he saved our soul. We simply responded to his call. Jesus said this at one point. He said, my sheep know me and they know my voice. And to a stranger, they will not follow. And he knows his sheep by name. When you begin to look into this, it's so interesting as you begin to look into the flock and shepherds and sheep, you'll find out that, 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 that sheep are so acquainted and they know the voice of their shepherd so much that you can actually have two different flocks of sheep mixed together on a field grazing with two shepherds, but whenever that one shepherd of his sheep says, come here or come forth, and he says a word, the sheep will remove themselves from the other flock and come to their shepherd who is their master, right? And I came to speak today to, to a stray away or to a runaway or to somebody that's mixed up with the wrong crowd or you're listening to the wrong voices and you're giving an ear to the enemy, and you know you're not supposed to do what, you're not doing what God has called you to do, the voice of the shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus, is saying right now, come to me and receive mercy, receive grace, receive forgiveness. Come on, my grace is sufficient. He is the good shepherd. Oh, come on, who's thankful for the good shepherd in our lives today? He is the good shepherd. I love what Psalm chapter 23, verse 1 through 4 says. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What does he do? Your rod, can somebody say rod? And your staff, somebody say staff, they comfort me. Come on, one more time, somebody say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David is the one who's responsible for writing Psalm chapter 23, who at one point in his life, he was a shepherd. But even then, he had the revelation and understanding that the true shepherd God was watching over him. Even when David stumbled and fell, God was still the shepherd that picked him up. Come on, has ever, anybody ever been in a place where you began to run away or stray away, but the, but the rod of God came and pulled you back in? Or you felt surrounded by the enemy. You felt like they were coming to eat upon your flesh. But the staff and the authority of God came in and protected you and kept you safe. Come on. See, this rod, y'all, this rod was pointing to God being our shepherd. In Hebrew, it's, it, it said Jehovah Ra Rohi, which is God, the shepherd. The shepherd of my soul. And what I want us to get this morning is this. We need to understand what this rod 
Aaron's rod and the Ark of the Covenant represented. And not only, yes, I believe it points to Jesus even being our high shepherd, because after that moment, Aaron and his sons were actually appointed to be the leaders to take care of the, the responsibility and the priestly responsibilities within the tabernacle. So Aaron was actually the first high priest. And I believe that in the same way we know it says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is our great high priest. Think about this for one second. This, this right here, Man, I'm telling you what, we got to be so thankful. Once a year, and Pastor Bali preached on this earlier, but once a year, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, right, on behalf of the entire nation of Israel to receive mercy and, and to stand at the mercy seat. But who's thankful that Jesus one time paid the ultimate price on the cross? The veil was torn. We are temples of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ is the high priest. But I also believe it points to, to Jesus being our good shepherd and the authority that God has. And what I want to do real quick before we go is I want to give you three simple points, three simple points on what this rod represents and how the good shepherd leads us in our lives. The first point I want to give you this morning is this, that the rod represents God's correction. The rod represents God's correction. Going back to the opening scripture, the reason that God budded Aaron's rod overnight with blossoms and almonds and not the 11 others was so that way God could correct those who were rebelling against Moses and Aaron by saying that God made a mistake by letting them lead. Now, whenever I first, you know, read and I saw, you know, like almonds and everything, I was like, or almonds, whatever, I thought to myself, like, that's so interesting, that's so odd, it's, why, why, why? Why that? Like, that's so random. But when you begin to study and look into it, you'll discover, right? Some of you may know that the almond trees, they are known for taking years and years to produce an almond. So the fact that it began to bud up ripe almonds overnight was proof and evidence that God worked a miracle. It was a rod, a staff, almonds came out of it. It was a way that God was correcting his people. And also in the book of Jeremiah, chapter, chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, Jeremiah receives this vision of a rod with almonds growing on it. It was a sign of God's discipline over the nation of Israel. He says in Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, in the King James, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Now this is, y'all get this, this is years and years after Moses and Aaron had passed away, but God still was getting the chonkle out. He was still getting the rod of discipline out and, and correcting the people and the children of Israel. And this vision that the prophet Jeremiah received, this is happening as God was allowing the nation of Israel to be exiled to Babylon to their due to their disobedience. So the rod was a representation, get this, of God's discipline, but the almonds growing was a representation of this, how it would take years and years of correction for their hearts to be changed and to be turned back to God. It would take time. See, we can either allow the correction of God to go on longer than it should, 
or we can be quick and, and yield to the correction of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The decision is, is up to you. But this was an encouragement because this wasn't God saying, I'm going to take them out. I'm going to, no, no. Even that whole time, right? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope in the future. That was a word given through the prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Israel. I know we like to say it over ourselves. I think God has a plan for you too, right? But that was a promise to the nation of Israel to give them encouragement, to let them know that times may be hard. You may feel like you've been abandoned, but I am watching over you as the good shepherd. I have to correct. I have to do this this, but it was an encouragement for Jeremiah to know that God had not forgotten about his people. He was simply doing what was best for his children. Because who in here knows, y'all, if you love your children, if you love your children, you're going to discipline them at times, right? There's going to be correction at times, right? I told the youth this past Wednesday this. I said, I said y'all, you're going to learn from two things in life. You're either going to learn from mentors or mistakes. You can either do things the easy way or the hard way. The choice is up to you, right? But the Bible even says, right, spare the rod, spoil the child. Some of you parents, you have that hung up in your home somewhere or something, right? But what was that? The rod, discipline. It was representation of discipline. A while back, Brooklyn and her parents shared a story with me and they told me I could share it this morning because I thought it was the funniest thing. So Brooklyn, you know, her parents, they would have a paddle, right, to discipline Brooklyn when she got a lot of paddles back in the day, right, when she was younger. And, and her dad would also call it the rod of discipline. He, he called it the rod, the rod of discipline, right? And, and one time, Brooklyn, she was younger, and she had, she had a friend over, and, and she was being mean to her younger sister, Kirsten. And she was being mean to her, and her dad had a rule that she, he would not discipline her, um, with friends over. So he said, wait until that friend leaves. You're going to be in trouble, Missy. And, and so what she did was she knew where that paddle or that rod was, was being, was being like, you know, placed. And her and her friend went and grabbed that rod, y'all, the paddle. They went to the backyard. They dug a hole in this area where there was this other junk. They buried it in the ground. They covered it up, and they couldn't find the paddle, you know, whenever the time came. You know, she, she thought she got smart, right? But it wasn't until about a year later, y'all, where her dad decided, you know what? We're going to make a garden right there in that area where her paddle was. And he got a tiller, y'all. He got a tiller, right? And he began to, to break up the ground and everything. And all of a sudden, he was hitting something. He was like, what in the world? It broke the tiller. It broke that tool. He reached in, and he grabbed it. It was that rod of correction that he had. Come on. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe Brooklyn was too old at that point to, to get, you know, discipline again. But, 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 this, but that was like, you know, oh, my gosh, that's so funny, y'all. So funny. But as I began to think, as I began to think about that story, I began to think to myself, y'all, how many times, y'all, do we as children of God, run away or avoid the correction of God. Because I know it's not pleasant at times, right? Not realizing, though, that any time that God disciplines us, God is doing it out of love because he knows what's best for us. 
And can I encourage somebody in the building today to not be afraid of the correction of God or the conviction of the Holy Spirit? See, some of us, God has allowed us to go through hearts, allowed us to go through it at times, but never lose faith in the good shepherd. He knows what's best for us. I'm not saying that God may have caused it, but I'm not, but that doesn't mean that God can't use it, right? But at the same time, see, some of us, we are doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We are being caught up in things that we used to be caught up to, and we are grieving the Holy Spirit because you do know that God has feelings too, and we are feeling miserable. Isn't it just like God? We came from a certain lifestyle. We didn't feel bad at all, but when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, we can't do the things that we used to do, and we're trying to get drunk, trying to get high, trying to sleep around, but something inside of us is making it miserable. Could that be the correction of God? Could that be God's rod of protection speaking over, having right over you saying, hey, I'm still with you. I love you, but it's time to turn around. It's time to come to me because he loves you so much that he is willing to discipline you at times by the leading of the Holy Spirit in other circumstances. The Bible says that God chastises. What does he do? He disciplines those that he loves. Come on, do we have any disciples of Jesus in the building? Do we have any followers of Jesus in the building this morning? What's the root word for disciple? Discipline. If there were disciples of Jesus, we must be willing to be disciplined. I know it's quiet this morning, so I know God's speaking to somebody right now. You're feeling conviction right now as I'm speaking. That's when you know you're preaching good because, you know, somebody, you're thinking on it. I'm telling you right now. But, you know, a while back, y'all, I saw this picture of Jesus, y'all. And it was Jesus with, with, with gold hair, you know, blonde hair and blue. I don't think he looked like that. He was like a Jewish man, you know, so he didn't probably look like that. But it was one of those pictures, y'all, that you see hanging up in a home where, like, Jesus had, had a sheep on his shoulders, right? And, you're, and it looked super cool. It's like, man, Jesus looks so gentle. The way he's just, just, just caressing and, and carrying that sheep on his shoulder. Man, Jesus, he's, he's awesome. But I looked into it, and I discovered, y'all, that shepherds, what they would do many times is that if a sheep was being stubborn and running away from the flock and the pack, getting into things that they're not supposed to be getting into, the shepherd would go find that sheep, snap a leg, fracture something, put it on its shoulders, carry it back. But what he was doing was he was training the sheep to be dependent and trust in the shepherd so they wouldn't leave further away from him so that way the sheep could be safe because he would rather have the sheep have a broken bone for a little bit rather than be devoured by the enemy and by predators. It was correction, and I came to tell you something today. We need the correction of God. We need the correction of God. We need the rod of correction. I don't know about you, but over our families, over our home, we need it. It's a scary place, y'all, to be in a place where you no longer feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's a scary place where you're going because eventually if you keep on going and keep on going and keep on going, God says, okay, you know what? I tried. I tried to direct you. I tried to lead you. I tried to correct you, but you're going to have to learn by yourself. Come on, I think of the prodigal son, but there's a moment where you come to your senses and you realize and you get to a place of brokenness and God has allowed some of us to get to some things and areas and, and we've, we've, we've come to a point where we're broken. We turn to him, but who's thankful for the good shepherd that gives us grace and mercy in our lives? This making sense to somebody today? 
The second point is this, that somebody say correction for the first one. Correction. Make sure you're getting it. The second point is the rod also represents God's protection. His protection. Somebody say protection. Now, here's the thing about sheep. They are completely defenseless by themselves. They need to have a protector and a defender. Otherwise, wolf and other predators will come in for the kill. So get this. While sheep were traveling or grazing, it would be the shepherd that would watch over them. I think of David. David, at one point before he faced Goliath, he told this story to King Saul, I believe. He said, oh, yeah, there was a point when I was watching over the sheep, because David was a shepherd too, right? He was watching over the sheep, and, and he said that a lion and then a bear came and took some of the sheep, and, he, and they, took, they took it away. But David followed after them both times. He grabbed the sheep out of the lion and the bear's mouth, and then he proceeded to kill the, the, the predators, and he said after that, he said, in the same way, I'm going to take care of this uncircumcised Philistine that's messing with these. I don't know about you. That was one of the most gangster and hardest statements I've ever heard somebody say. A guy that killed a lion and that killed a bear. But I began to think to myself when I began to think about the protection of God and the rod of God. If David, y'all, who was a lowly shepherd boy, did that to protect sheep that weren't even his, it was his father's sheep that he was protecting, how much more would Will your God protect and take care of his own sheep and his own children? Oh, come on. Has anybody ever experienced God's hand of protection firsthand in their lives? I'll be the first one, right? Just like I've experienced God's protection. As you begin to think back, right, some of you, you begin to think back about things that should have, could have, and would have taken you out. You shouldn't be here right now, but thanks be to God for his protection. Come on, if we're being honest, that car accident should have taken us out. We should have been shot in the streets. We should have been locked up in prison. We should have been caught up in the same cycle of addiction as maybe other family members. But thanks be to God for his rod of protection over our life. Come on, I came to tell you. And those are just things, think about this, those are just things that we are aware of. What about the times when you're just doing life, right, as a little sheep, right, walking around, you know, just going, and God's leading you, right, and you don't even realize it, but when God has a shepherd, come on, hand me that staff real quick. When God has that shepherd, as the shepherd, he has this staff, and we're following after Jesus, and all of a sudden, the enemy, the devil, who the Bible says roams around to and fro like a roar lion seeking who he can devour and all of a sudden God says get back or he sends an angel he says stay right there when the devil the kingdom of darkness tried to come in I'm telling you God stands strong almost like like Gandalf right saying you shall not pass right you that they've been bought for a price they are covered by the blood of Jesus they are mine that is my child that is my sheep you can't touch them oh come on who in here knows that there is a special covering over us as children and sheep. See, I'm, I'm reminded of, of uh, Haley. Haley, uh, Haley went through something very traumatic, y'all, um, a, a few years ago when she was at college and she was in the library. And when she was in the library, there was this man that sat across from her and he was there for hours. And what happened was she got up and, and she went outside. And as she went outside, she, this, this guy was following her. And she felt really uncomfortable and she ran to her car 
and she could feel this guy running behind her, and she gets into her car, y'all. And when she gets into her car, she's about to lock the door, but before she could, this guy opens up the door and grabs her. She drops her items. She dropped her phone. She dropped her purse. Like, she could have easily grabbed something else, but he wasn't after that. He, gra- he grabbed her, and she was fighting, and he dragged her out of the car, and at that time, she didn't have her voice. Her voice, her vocal cords were so scarred up, she could barely even speak. It was so hard to hear her. She didn't know what to do with that moment, but she said that all of a sudden in that moment, she felt a boldness and a confidence come out of her, and all she said was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She got her voice back. She began to say, Jesus, Jesus, and she said she felt his his grip loosen, and eventually he just got fed up. He let go, and he walked his way. They caught him, and they locked him up, y'all. Oh, I came to tell you, there is power in the name of Jesus. He is the good shepherd. He carries a rod of protection. He watches over you. Oh, come on. We need the rod of protection in our homes, in our families, in our lives. We need to take shelter underneath the shepherd and let him fight our battles. Amen? Amen. Last point as we get to it. And the worst team, you can go ahead and come up. The last point I want to give you is this, that the rod represents God's direction. The rod represents God's direction. See, shepherds were ultimately responsible for leading the way for the sheep. It's been said before that that, that a good shepherd will never drive the sheep from the back, but a good shepherd will always lead the sheep from the front. Not from the back but from the front. I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 23, and you can put it back up there where it says this, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And time and time again, you'll find God telling the nation of Israel, hey, I'm going before you. I'm going before you in the promised land, in in the wilderness. I, I, I am with you. And not only am I with you, but I am going before you. Who's thankful that God goes before us as well? He goes before us each and every, he he lives in eternity. He's already in your tomorrow. Think about that for a second. He knows, and he wants to lead you and direct you in your life. See, some of us, we're so worn out right now. Maybe as a parent, as a business owner, as just trying to do what we can, right? And we're trying to take the lead. We're, we're, trying, we're trying to do things on our own, but we're not yielding to the voice of God. We're not letting the good shepherd lead us. When was the last time that we said, God, I want you to direct me today. God, I need you today. Because we may be the under shepherd, but who knows God is the true shepherd, right? God, God, he cares about your family, your children, I'm a firm believer that one of the reasons I'm up here today is because my parents prayed prayers over me. They knew that they could only do so much, but they prayed and they said, and they prayed and they asked the good shepherd to, to come and, and lead them and, and, and lead me. And, and he helped them lead the family. There are times when God will speak to you. He'll wake you up in the night. He'll tell you about your kids. He'll, he'll direct you because he wants what's best for you and your family. I was talking to someone last night. We are talking about how desperately We need more than anything else. We need to be directed by God with every decision, 
every step. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man, they are ordered by the Lord. Is anybody in here sick and tired of just trying to do things by yourself? But today you're saying, no, I want to let the good shepherd lead me and my family and my children because he wants to lead you. And can I tell you what's going to happen when you follow after Jesus? You're going to experience more peace, more of his presence, love, patience, joy, and fulfillment. Now, I didn't say that things were going to be easy. I didn't say there wouldn't be no trials or troubles, right? Because though he lead me, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God may lead us at times like, God, what is happening right now? God, this is crazy. Like, God, you're my, why are we going through this valley right now? But don't lose hope and don't lose faith. You serve a good shepherd that watches over his sheep. And when the enemy or hell tries to come and try to snatch you, Jesus said, when I hold my sheep, there's nothing that's going to be able to snatch them out of my hands because they are mine. They belong to me. I'm going to watch over them. I may correct them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to direct them. I'm going to be with them. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. My conclusion I want to give you is this. When sheep take shelter under the shepherd, they will be taken care of. When sheep take shelter under the shepherd, they will be taken care of. Come on, is anybody ready to make Jesus the, the shepherd over your life and the shepherd over your soul? Come on. Before we go, we're going to do something together as a family. If you're, if you're here with, with, with your husband, wife, or your children, if you don't mind, can you just lock hands together as a family? I'm going to ask my wife to come up here on stage with me too. Our small little family. We have my whole family up here. We take up this whole stage, but you know. And maybe you're here by yourself. You don't have any family with you. You have church family around you too. Lock hands in agreement. I told Brooklyn, we're going to let the Good Shepherd lead us every single day. There, there's so much, there's power in understanding, having that revelation, right? We're, we're the sheep. He is the shepherd. And we're going to pray together right now in this moment. We're, some of you, we're going to rededicate our, our hearts to God, make him Lord over our life, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe even watching online at home right now. But we're going to allow the shepherd to take the lead in our lives, to correct us. To, to, to protect us and direct us. We're going to pray a prayer together right now in this moment. Can we pray together right now? Lord Jesus, right now, come on, if you're in agreement with what's being said, let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now, we take this moment to make you Lord over our lives, that you are the good shepherd. You are the good shepherd. You're the one that leaves the 99 for the one. You're the one, Jesus, that laid down his life for the sheep. You're the one. So right now, we thank you right now that you are the shepherd over our family. You are the shepherd 
shepherd over our children and future children and grandchildren. You are the shepherd over our marriage. Right now, in Jesus' name, we yield to your correction. We yield to your conviction. We yield, God, right now, and we thank you, Lord, that we are protected, that we under we are underneath the shadow of the Almighty God, that the angels encamp around those that fear the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are mighty in battle. We thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, that if God be for us, if you be for us, who could be against us? We thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we thank you, Lord, for directing every step and every decision and leading us, God, to green pastures, God, and to still waters. So let there be peace right now, peace over every home peace right now. Power, Lord. Authority, Lord. Right now, God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are in our lives. Come on, right now, if you're in this place, and if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, say this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of every one of my sins. Come on, Jesus, I make you Lord over my life. Jesus, I believe that you died. I believe that you rose. Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Thank you, Lord. Come on, can you repeat this after me? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, Lord Jesus. We make you the good shepherd over our lives. Lead us. Guide us. Keep us. We trust in you. We need you. Be with us here at home. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for all the days of our lives, we need you to lead us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you believe that, can you give God a shout of praise in the building?